you can now hear Movie Heaven Movie Hell on Stitcher. Stitcher is ready on demand. Listen anytime, anywhere. Stitcher is an award-winning free app that lets you listen to all your favourite shows, plus discover from 20,000 news, entertainment and sports shows. You can also create your own custom playlists. Stitcher is available on iOS, Android, Nook, iPad and in over 4 million car dashboards. You can stream your favourite podcasts from Stitcher. Don't have Stitcher? Download it free today at stitcher.com or in the app store. And please leave us a review and rating on Stitcher. Thank you. Welcome to Movie Heaven, Movie Hell with me, Simon Aiken, and... And I'm Keith Isles, and we are both independent filmmakers who enjoy discussing movies, television shows, and associated entertainment. And for this uh, Star Trek Discovery special, we are really pleased to welcome back from the other side of the pond, uh, producer Pete Mealy. So welcome back, Pete. Hey, thanks so much for asking me back. You know? No worries. Glad to have you back. Um, obviously, you were a guest, uh, I guess, back in September um, when we did an episode with our first reactions to the new Star Trek Discovery uh, series. And um, at the time, there'd only been uh, two episodes broadcast or, or streamed, however you want to call it. And uh, we did talk about doing a episode to celebrate like the sort of 30th anniversary of, of next gen and talk about some of the other Star Trek series in a bit more detail, but we, we, we couldn't help ourselves. We've now got to the, uh, the, the mid season finale of, of discovery, uh, which is returning in January, 2018. And we thought, well, sod it, let's do another discovery episode. And it, no doubt we'll touch on those other series as we go. So here we are. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, this is my favorite thing in the world to do is talk Star Trek. <laughs> so I, I am just overjoyed for the chance to get to do it again. No, absolutely. Me too. I mean, uh, you know, there's so much to say. I, I, and again, because I don't make notes, I'm probably going to forget half of the things I wanted to say about it. But, um, but you, you know, you, I'll ask you guys first and then I'm sure we'll get into a conversation. Um, you, you know, what are your thoughts? How do you feel about Star Trek Discovery? Are you itching to see more or are you uh, a bit disappointed with where it's going? Um, how do you feel? I, I will also say, sorry, just up front for listeners there, uh, is that there will be spoilers aplenty during this uh, particular episode. So if, um, if you haven't watched these yet and uh, are bothered about spoilers, I suggest that you... Uh, log on to Netflix or whatever stream streaming service you've got and, uh, and play catch up first. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll start and I'll say that I love it. Uh, I am really enjoying Star Trek discovery. Every, uh, they're doing a lot of things, right? They're doing some things that I don't enjoy, but, 
it's not to the point where where I just feel disappointed uh, or or that I'm getting angry. A, a couple of episodes, there'll be a scene where I get really nervous and I'll just think, oh God, they're they're gonna mess it up. They're gonna mess it up. They're gonna mess it up. And then they don't, right? And I know that's very subjective. It's, it's for me, it, you know, they're, Discovery is playing my kind of Star Trek uh, for the most part. And I, I just, I'm so happy to get to watch this and to get to be part of it. Uh, so that's, that's in, in brief how I feel. And we can get into the parts that I don't like, although I feel like you guys are probably going to have noticed those as well. Simon, what about you? Um, I must admit, I'm not really enjoying it that much, to tell the truth. Oh! Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's... Um, I don't know. It it, it just feels... It, I don't know. It doesn't feel like Star Trek a lot of the time. I think it's, it's kind of like these things are kind of mentioned but never really fully explored. I think there's been quite a few episodes where you know that something comes up and then of course it's brushed aside because they they just want to you know get on with it it seems very fast as you know the the, the yeah. pace of it is very quick so um anything that's kind of set up is kind of resolved within like an ep- you know a couple of episodes down the line and but that is star trek yeah, I mean, but I mean the the pace of it's going on so quickly. Can can you imagine the um you remember the storyline with Worf when um he sort of took that dishonor on himself and he was an outcast from yeah. the you know that was played over, you know, two that was played starting in the beginning of one season and ending in the second season. If it happened on Star Trek Discovery, it would've been over in a couple of episodes. Well, uh, I think I think that you you you've got the benefit of hindsight right now. Mm. So uh, I'm not sure exactly what you mean about things being you know resolved or whatever. But uh, I have seen things that I've just been like, oh, they've dropped that and moved on. Uh, but as I as I'm like rewatching episodes, I keep seeing hints at some things, and I think, oh, they're gonna they're not just dropping this, right? Like it's sort of worked into a Star Trek fast pacedness, but I see things that I think are going to come back and come back in a hard way. And so I think we need to give it, give it a season, like let it play its full season before we say, Oh, it's running too fast. I also think in the case of Star Trek next generation, like the wharf stuff, you know, you're talking about episodes that were spread out Mm. over a couple of seasons. But if it wasn't a wharf episode, where they were dealing with that thing, that thing was basically forgotten, right? And so it was like Worf did not mention his dishonor, even if he was on screen, right, dealing with something, even though it might have been, even though it was in the middle of that storyline. But that's because this was a data episode, and so they didn't have time to get into Worf. Hmm. Um, that's my feelings. I don't know. I feel like we need to come back to this one in a year. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm... I'm I think this is going to make a, for a really good uh, conversation, actually. Um, yeah. Because I didn't know I didn't know exactly how you guys felt about it, mm. and um, uh, you, you know the, the, the fact you've got slightly different um, 
points of view there I think can only make for a, an even better podcast <laughs> so I'm kind of <laughs> I'm kind of secretly kind of pleased um <laughs> so Keith what is your views on, on it? well I, I've got to say um I I love it I've actually become a bit obsessed with it to be honest <laughs> um uh it, it's 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 captured me like um well like to be honest like all various incarnations of star trek have over the years um you, you know when when the movies came out uh eight eight years ago or whatever i was i was absolutely obsessed with that movie uh at, at the time and um you, you know i am just really pleased to have star trek uh back on television or, or back on you know back on screen um I find that every single week it is the thing that I look forward to watching more than anything else that's on at the moment. Um, and there is a lot of good stuff out there, but, but yeah. you know, this, this is the one that, uh, that, that, that compels me to, to, to watch it every, every week when it comes out. Um, I, I've been listening to other podcasts about it. Um, I've, I've been, you know, reading about it. So, so it's, it's, it's really, it's really pulled me in. Um, you, you know, I am not happy with everything about it. Uh, you know, uh, I have my questions and it's interesting what you said, Simon, about, you, you know, not feeling like Star Trek. Uh, you're not the only person I've heard say that, um, Alex Brunning, who's our good friend and he's done some of the, uh, star trek podcasts with us previously i actually almost considered getting him involved in today's but i thought it might be just too 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 many people to talk about this in one go mm. um but he he feels like that as well he's loving it but there's a lot of things that are annoying him and um you know he said in some respects it doesn't feel like star trek um i i think with, with this um as you know i've i've had my I've got my problems with some of the sort of timeline and continuity things, which, which I've managed to sort of get over and, and just get on and enjoy it. Um, but with this, you, you know, we are, because we're now watching stuff in, in 2017, um, you, you know, television is very different. And because this is obviously a serialized season story arc, um, I, I noticed that the you know the writers I think have been have been quite clever and and there's there's sort of things sprinkled throughout and uh, you know a few episodes go by and then we'll get the the answer to something that was set up in a in previous episodes and I think obviously that there's still a lot of surprises to come um, when I listened back to our last podcast you know one of the things I said I hope to get from the show was I hoped to uh, continue to be surprised by it. And on that front, I think it is absolutely delivered. Um, you know, I continue to be surprised by this. And, you know, I'm really enjoying it. Although, you know, the geek in me um, has problems with, with, with some things as well, which, again, I don't know whether are deliberate on, on the hand on behalf of the the writers and the designers or are things they're just plain ignoring but um but I, i'm really enjoying the ride yeah let's can we get into some of the specifics like simon i feel uh 
Yeah, why don't... Can you tell me one thing you don't like? Well, I feel that, you know, um, there's certain, you know, um, factors that the Federation always sort of, um, always follows, like the Prime Directive and stuff like that. And they, they have seemed to have been, like, mentioned but not really acted upon or have any uh action on on the storylines um the the whole thing with um the creature that was uh running the spore drive yeah the tardigrade yeah now you know before we would have maybe have had maybe a discussion about using this creature this way or you know um the fact that um, they were using it in such a, a, a sort of abysmal manner. And, but yet there's kind of like, there, there was no discussion. It's like, we're doing this because we need to run the spore drive, which again, isn't a device that's well in advance of anything we've seen in Star Trek previously, even though this is supposed to be in the past before um, Kirk and, and Spock and McCoy. So it's this kind of reconning of the whole sort of aesthetic of the whole, you know, whole Star Trek. It sort of does, it's, it's interesting how they've used it, but you just keep thinking, you know, why is it now that none of these, every ship in the Federation has one of these or, um, as as we learn at the end of uh, the last episode, that they now know how to um, get through the Klingon cloak, which was something that even in Next Generation, they didn't know. So are are they setting Discovery up to be, you know, forever lost in space, or? You know, it's yeah, yeah. Because otherwise, why doesn't every ship in the Federation have this? You know, why is it they don't know how to get past the um, the Klingon cloak? I totally agree. Yeah. Uh, that is the one thing that that I keep coming back to as like, oh, uh, this this takes away enjoyment for me. Mm. Is that they've they've said it in the past. And yet they're trying to put forward stuff that we know cannot make it to the future and preserve the storylines. Mm-hmm. So uh, every everything with the spore drive, I just go like obvious. I you, we know it's going to fail because it's not in any of the other Star Treks. Uh, this is not the story of how the spore drive came to be. And how the spore drive revolutionized Starfleet. Uh, this is the story of how we tried the spore drive, and it was a catastrophic failure. Mm. Uh-huh. Uh, so that is that is one thing that I agree with. One thing yeah. I don't agree with uh, exactly is that they are ignoring sort of the prime directive. I actually thought that they held it very well with the tardigrave and i know uh you said that you thought it was different from other star treks but uh they had the same problems and the same issues with in voyager in different episodes of voyager you know it was like oh we could abuse this one thing 
to help us achieve our mission. And they did for a little while and then they stopped. Mm. Uh, they had the same sort of conflict in, in enterprise a bunch, you know, we could, we could abuse these prisoners or, or whatever, uh, and, and, and progress and achieve our goals, but harm our integrity, if you will. Right. Uh, and, and so Archer, Admiral Archer and Enterprise dealt with that, I feel, a lot in season three um, mm-hmm. of Enterprise. I think what the, what you just said is quite correct. But I, the, the thing is, it's um, this, so this character, Michael Burnham, is the one who's doing this stuff. And at the end of the day, she's not a captain. She's, you know, um, I think, is she, is she, does she have a rank? No, she's been stripped specialist. of it. Yeah. She's just a specialist now. Yeah. So she's the one who's making all, you know, uh, having all these problems and, you know, making these choices and doing this stuff. And it just seems a bit weird that the storylines feel like that she should be a captain, but she's not a captain, but she's kind of acting like the captain. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know, I know what you mean. I mean, obviously... When we when we watched the first two episodes, um, she was of course you know the first officer mm. then, and we hadn't even seen Discovery or met Lorca or anything. And then you know you know when we got into the third episode, there'd suddenly been this sort of six month time jump, and she'd been sort of gone through trial and been been stripped of her rank and and you know been sort of sentenced to life imprisonment and whatever before this situation. I mean, I, I think in terms of of what you're both saying and i think we're all in agreement on uh, at least is this is the inherent problem with prequels mm, in general yeah, yeah. really and and you know enterprise had the same issue to an extent is when you're when you're going back and and telling a story um you, you know that, that predates what we've already seen um you know, you're going to have story continuity problems. You're going to have obviously visual and design continuity problems with, uh, you know, all of which this suffers from, um, you, you know, you know, I know I always hearken back to this, but I mean, that's one of the things that I thought was so, if you like genius, um, with the, with the Abrams, uh, reboot movie was, was the fact that creating the Kelvin timeline, they were kind of able to do a, a prequel story, with, yeah. without a, with without that problem because they could just mm. effectively go in anywhere and you know that, that was very clever to do a sort of in continuity reboot as it were was was very clever with that and, and obviously with this um you know these guys have taken even more liberties than, than enterprise did um you, you know and still got a lot of flack for um so yeah it, it, it's 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 unusual it almost unfortunate that um that they have set it so close to the original series um you, you know i mean even with enterprise that was more than a hundred years prior um yeah and you, you know one often wishes that they went beyond um you, you know the end of voyager and and the end of nemesis and, and then you, you know thing things you, you know, you wouldn't have those problems with with uniform designs and, uh, you, you know, technology and, and, and all of those sort of things. However, um, 
I'm still enjoying this, and we'll, I'm not going to say them now, but towards the end of the podcast, uh, I want to talk about a few theories um, that oh, I know out there saying. in the, the ether that might actually uh, <laughs> sort of explain some of this stuff. Because what, what, what is really weird, all right, as, as we know from a production standpoint, um, Brian Fuller uh, left the show um, before it went into production, he left it during the development phase, and it it got passed over to um, you know the new showrunners and um, oh god, whose names have completely have completely blanked on who the show showrunners are now. Oh uh, yes, it's uh, Gretchen Burke and yeah, a- oh Kiva Goldsman, Goldsman, yeah. Heather Caden, Gretchen and, Burke, and and Aaron H- Haybert, isn't it? Yeah, they're they're the, they're the sort of Aaron main Haber. ones. Uh, yeah, who are um, who are you know some of those guys are, are big Star Trek original series fans, and um, y- you know I think I think even though there's a lot of things that sort of contradict things there's also a lot of a lot of little easter eggs that that, that complement everything really well and 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 um it, you know it, it's the other thing i would say about this show in general is i think the show owes a huge debt to uh battlestar galactica um when i say <laughs> that i mean the, the ron moore the reimagined Battlestar yeah, Galactica, yeah. because because in terms of tone and storytelling um it's doing a lot of things that you know when ron moore was part of the star trek team he couldn't do because you know of various um restrictions and things at the time and and you know he went to do with with bsg and um yeah you know there is a lot of this show that has a uh has a bsg feel to it very much so so i i think i think you know that they 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 owe a bit of a debt to that um and and i think they're doing some smart storytelling here um but at the same time as, as dr mccoy said in uh in um the motion picture they love to change things and uh, <laughs> you, you, you know they, they, they certainly have changed a, a hell of a lot <laughs> as well so um yeah who, who knows <laughs> yeah so i mean I was going to bring up that point about it being very much like Battlestar, and the the weird thing though, I I just find the the tone, I, it it just weird. It's just so I I don't think it quite works for for Star Trek because it's it, this dark gritty tone, and you know with the reboot of Battlestar, you know it, it worked perfectly, but for this I. I don't know. I just find it sometimes a little grating. I mean, um, mm. I have to say that um, the scene. So uh, take the the final episode where um, let me just find the the character's name. So they've they've boarded the Klingon ship, and the character of Ash Tyler is having you know um, flashbacks. Flashbacks. And then later on in the episode, we get to see him having sex with a, a Klingon lady. And it's, yeah. it's, you know, did we really need to see the sex with the Klingon lady? 
I mean, really? I mean, it was it was fine. Him talking about it was fine. But did we really need to see the whole sort of Klingon sex? I know. Well, I, I, I know. Yeah. Than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. I, 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 di- I didn't have too much of a problem with that. Do you know what I had more of a problem with? And this what? is really nerdy, but mm. um, I, I had a problem when they dropped the F-bomb. Yes. And, and, oh, and, the, and the, re- yeah. the, the reason I had a problem with that is because of my love for Star Trek Four and that whole, you know, that totally contradicts mm. what yeah. Kirk tells Spock about the fact that they, you know, the colourful metaphors as, as Spock, um, <laughs> Spock calls it. But... Um, uh, you, you know, the fact that they don't, you know, that they use profanity, um, you, you know, in the late 20th century and all this sort of thing. And then suddenly, you know, that they're, they're now dropping the F-bomb in, in Star Trek because they can, you know. Mm. Uh, and, and, and and I had more of a problem with that than, than a lot of the things. I was like, oh, come on. I mean, OK, it was it, I guess we can forgive it a bit because it was Tilly and she's kind of, you know, you know that sort of, um, you know, young more naive impulsive type character but at the same time that that really didn't feel star trek i was like they use the f-bomb they can't do that <laughs> well isn't the idea that we've like moved on so we we don't even know what these swear words are well that was always kind of the 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 utopia view i guess yeah but um, yeah i mean i know it's no big deal it's no big deal in our in our um in our you know language today i guess but um you, you know i always liked that bit in you know i've got massive love for star trek for sorry mm. but i have oh no yeah. And, yeah. it is and I, a great one and i always love that bit which uh, I, i'm sure was a bit of um nick mayer scripting there because i know he, he he worked a little bit on on some of the uh, rewriting of that script and uh um, yeah, I always, I always kind of liked Kirk's explanation about that, and then this kind of like you're like, hang on a second, that's not right. That totally contradicts it. So there you go. Yet, a, yet another thing that doesn't sort of follow on with with what's what's to come. <laughs> I also felt like in in Discovery, uh, it was a cheap joke, whereas in Star Trek Four, like it was, I don't know. It didn't seem like a cheap joke in Star Trek Four, mm. uh, but in in Discovery, it felt like a cheap joke, and I was like, I don't, I don't know that you needed that, right? Like, I think there would have been another way to make that joke uh, and to give the scene that levity that you were aiming for mm-hmm. uh, without w- without dropping a curse word and you know, yeah, ignoring the. Uh, uh uh what's it called the canon of star trek uh, yes and at the same time uh like it, it felt like if if star trek made a fart joke right like yeah like, yeah oh, <laughs> hey like i get it they have there's a place for that and there's a time for that and i don't know that that's that's here luckily though i think it hasn't gone full uh you know like it's it's only been that one time, right? That they've used a, a harsh language. Yeah. yeah. It hasn't yeah. quite turned into Beverly Hills cop yet. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, there, there was that one, but you, you know, I mean, you, you're right. The, the whole sort of canon thing, um, you, you know, right, right. Well, again, right down to the, uh, 
the sort of Delta badges that they have on their uniforms, which, um, which, by the way, I kind of like the fact that we find out that they sort of double as dog tags as well, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. Which, 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 which was sort of revealed when, um, you know, when, when the Klingon had the, uh, had, um, Philippers. Oh, yeah. yeah Philippers. Yes, that's it. Um, yeah. Philippers, uh, um, tags and st- uh, or badge but you, you know again something star trek enterprise did well um you, you know even though a lot of people slagged that but uh you, you know the mission patches didn't involve the delta um you know, or the arrowhead or whatever you want to call it rocket whatever it is um yeah. which which was correct because because obviously in the original series that was supposed to be unique to the enterprise and all of the other ships were supposed to have um uh, you know their own logos, and it wasn't until you sort of got to the movies that um, that it became the sort of overall Starfleet logo. And uh, obviously, they, they wrecked on that in the in the uh, in the move in the movies and in the reboots. But of course, they've 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 still done it here. And and I get that because that is that is what everybody that's the emblem that everybody associates um, Star Trek with. So yeah, uh, I, I get that. I, that's that's a hard one to get around. Is is that particular one? I think. You know. So um, I was going to say. So what, what has been your favourite episode so far? Oh, <laughs> mm. there's been a lot of good ones. Let's it might see. Be easier to say what my least favourite was. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> What was your least favorite? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just I'm just thinking about that one now because I'm. It, it, they're pretty good episodes, um, and again, yeah. they're, they're all kind of relevant to one another, aren't they? So, um, I I really like the tardigrade storyline. I thought those episodes were just they did it very well. I thought. I know Simon, you don't agree, um, but uh, I I that felt super trek to me right very trekky um i'm looking at the list of episode names and i've got to be honest episode names is not my version of star trek geekery you know there's people who know what every episode is titled yeah well particularly when the names are a sentence yeah (laughs) i'm looking at these and i'm like what happened in the butcher's knife cares not for the lamb's cry? I honestly couldn't tell. Uh, yeah, the, the 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 titles of these are. Um, oh, choose your pain! I thought that was a great episode where Lorca. Oh, gets good. Kind of, yes, right? yes. And Lorca's in the prison. Although now I guess I see your point, Simon. About uh, that one wrapped up quickly, but yeah. then again. How many times did Captain Picard get captured and was returned within one episode? I can only think of one time when it lasted two, and that was yeah. when he became aboard. Yeah. Uh, and, they, and they escaped in a Klingon raider, and I was yes. like, oh, that's very Battlestar Galactica, I'm afraid. That raider. is. Oh, you I know, it's a, it's, um, Yeah, I mean, that, that one, Choose Your Pain, was actually... Um, quite an enlightening episode for me and and the reason i say that this is quite nerdy again but um you'd meant when we talked about i'd mentioned the fact that i didn't really or i hoped they weren't going to bring too many of the original series characters into this and they were just going to kind of get on with their own crew and whatever and of course you, you you know you 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 mentioned that um you'd heard that that harry mudd 
was coming into this. Well, I, I have to confess, uh, I think I said before, there's a, there's a lot of Star Trek I've watched and a lot of Star Trek I've watched repeatedly, but also there's, there was a lot of Star Trek out there that I hadn't seen. So what I did is I actually did a Harry Mudd arc of my own. Oh. So I watched the two Harry Mudd episodes from um, uh, Discovery, and oh. then I went and watched the original series episodes that featured him, of which there were two and an animated episode. And yeah, um, yeah, yeah and, I, and I actually, I, I completely bought that this guy was a, a younger version of that character. It, 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 it sort of worked when you watch them all back to back. But then I realized why I hadn't watched those um, Star <laughs> Trek Harry Mudd episodes, because they are particularly silly ones, aren't they? <laughs> they are. They are. That was the one thing that uh, like didn't, really line up for me is that this Harry Mud is super gritty. Yes. Uh and and I thought like, well, like in the arc of Harry Mud, it would make more sense to have it the other way around. Uh where you have Harry Mud, you know, like foolish and laugh hearty, uh, and then and then get to being gritty and in a Klingon uh prison. Uh but uh I did I did sort of like the 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 wife arc where they bring back his wife which then makes the the robotic version of his wife from the original series like <laughs> that just it felt like it worked to me. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean and, those uh, original series episodes were incredibly broad <laughs> when I yeah. when I rewatched them I thought oh my god this is you know, this is bordering on pantomime. <laughs> oh, it was, yeah. it was they, 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 those particular ones were, were, were very, were very broad. And, um, you know, you know, clearly the, the actor had a great time, uh, playing that role and, yeah. and making him as, um, uh, you know, as sort of jovial and, uh, um, Oh God, I've lost all my words today. I'm trying <laughs> to think of a really good way of describing how, uh, um, vivacious or whatever the, the character was yes yeah there you go that's that's a good word um but yeah yeah it was it was uh it was good to go back and sort of um what watch them in that order and sort of see where the where the character was back then and and where he ends up but but i but i but i still stand by the fact that i don't want i hope wherever this continues going that they don't keep bringing characters that we're going to see later in the continuity into it, because I'm only just dealing with this whole, you know, Sarek stuff that, that they've, oh. that they've had going on in this, um, in this series so far. And, uh, you, you know, I, I just think that the less they can do that, the better in, in, in my opinion, I don't know what you guys think, but I, I'm well, not, I'm not a fan of this. So that's the next episode after Choose Your Pain was L Leth, Lethe, however you Lethe, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, right, which is the Sleep River from Greek mythology, and that's, that's the right. uh, that's that's the Sarek episode, uh, and that one I will say I did not enjoy too much because again, with part of the prequel problem, is that I have zero interest if you tell me Osarek oh, might die. 
because I know <laughs> he's not going to yes. until a couple hundred years later. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, he lives a very long life as it he ends lives up, a doesn't very he? long life. <laughs> yes. We've already seen his death in Star Trek. It is not a problem. Uh, but I, I think that's an interesting juxtaposition because one thing I feel like Discovery is doing well is, is that I have no faith that major characters won't die, right? Like Michelle Yeoh died in, sorry, well, yeah, we already said spoilers, right? Mm, yeah. Michelle yeah. Yeoh dies and you're like, oh, that's crazy. But then that's like the pilot thing, right? Where you bring in a big actor and then kill them off. But then in, in the third or fourth episode, the security chief dies. Mm, yeah. Right? It was, fr- it was like, from Battlestar, by the way. Oh, was she? Yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Which I, I was like, I watched that years ago. I don't remember. <laughs> but I was just like, oh, crap. Oh, like that surprised me so much. And then I'll be honest, I thought the Admiral was dead mm-hmm. when she was taken. Uh, I was just like, oh, crap. They killed the Admiral, too. Uh, so I feel like Discovery will kill people. I thought. Uh, Michael Rappaport's character is that right? Yeah. Um, oh no, Anthony Rapp, the oh. Paul Stamets. <laughs> the chief yeah, the, he is kind of he is kind of Rappaport-y though, isn't he? In his look, he yeah. <laughs> I, always, I always think he's or anyway, whatever. Uh, he, I thought he died. Uh, at a couple of points, and literally was just like, well, that like. Discovery is going to kill people. Yeah. And I feel like that's a great addition to Star Trek because like with Next Generation, you know, by the time it gets to Worf's back injury, you don't, you you know he's going to get better. Yeah. Because there's no way they're going to write him out. With Star Trek Discovery, honestly, they could kill Burnham. Hmm. Oh yeah, I mean, that's the beauty. We don't know what happens with those characters, which is, which is why... You know, it's kind of annoying when they when they bring in characters like Sarah, where we do yeah. know where he's going to end up. And, and um, you, you know, like you said, that takes the tension away straight away. The one thing I really did like about that episode, though, the bit that I thought was so well done and I really did applaud the writers on on this part of it was I, you know, all this time, um, you, you know, whether the original timeline or the Kelvin timeline or whatever, we've had this thing where, you know, Spock decides to join Starfleet and, you know, he does so at the um, annoyance of his father, right? And I really like this, you know, and again, when they set this show up, we see, you know, the introduction, it jumps back seven years and we see... um, uh, Burnham first arriving aboard the Shenzhou and being introduced to um, Captain Georgia, etc. There, right? And y- you know, um, Sarit, you know, seems really sort of supportive about that. And I did love the backstory that she actually got into the Vulcan Science Academy, um, and y- you know, he had to make a choice between her and Spock. And he went with Spock, who that you know he's a couple of years younger, who then uh, who then obviously threw it in his face anyway by joining Starfleet. And I I did think that that 
tied up really nicely and and just sort of fleshed out what we already knew. So I thought that they handled that particular issue really well. What 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 about you guys? Did you like that or was that too close to the mark? I loved it. I think you're right. I think it like we knew as soon as Sarek showed up with Burnham uh that like it was like wow, he and Spock really were distant and had a messed up family relationship. If if Sarek had an adopted human child that Spock never talks about. Uh, but then this episode showing that Spock had, say, unwittingly disappointed his father so much, it really did, you, you know, it didn't make it like a, a, a crowbar in plot move. It, it fit very seamlessly and it, it did give it the backstory that uh, you was already hinted at. Yeah. What about you, Simon? Did you like that? Or was that one of those elements about the show that you didn't like as much? Um, I, I, I didn't. <laughs> the truth, it was kind of... You were of, tuned out? I tuned out a little bit, yeah. I, I think... Yeah. Because, again, it was... It, you only heard it in like a convers- in like a, a conversation very quickly. I mean, I saw what her reaction was to it, that he chose Spock over her. But um, it's yeah. But again, there's you know we know where that's all leading to. We know that Spock yeah. goes to uh, Starfleet and yeah. And so um, Sarek decided to to take Burnham to Starfleet as well. well was that before Spock made his? It would decision? have been before. It would have been before. Yeah, right I, I I think Burnham's supposed to be about three or four years older than spock i think in the in the timeline for because they they said she was born in 22 26 and i think spock was born in 22 30 so um yes yeah, so she would have gone through this a little bit earlier than than him by by just a few years but um but but i but i thought you know and obviously if this is indeed the the prime timeline, which yeah. we'll come back to. But if it is indeed that, then um, then obviously Spock right now is is serving on the Enterprise with, uh, with 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 Captain Pike somewhere else. Which and again, the Enterprise did get a uh, an on screen mention, didn't it? When they yeah. oh that 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 made me laugh. So in the future, <laughs> on a ship like Discovery, right? They don't have a gym. <laughs> Instead, they run around the corridors of a working ship. I had a yeah. little bit of an issue with that. Actually, I was like, really? <laughs> They've got a holodeck, for God's sake. So why are they running around? <laughs> well, they wouldn't the have corridors. had holodecks at this point in uh, in Star Trek. Yeah. They wouldn't have had the... But, uh, but, I but don't they know. showed it. They showed it, didn't they? Which is another one of those other continuity yeah. things. Um, but uh, well, well talking, talking of continuity things, a couple of little things because mm-hmm. I, I, I do want to delve into to Burnham's character in, in in a moment. But I've I've also I've actually scribbled some notes while we were talking, and um, I've got a question mark against a couple of these because, like I said, I, I don't know everything about Trek, so I might be incorrect here. But okay. um, um, on the subject of Vulcans, okay, we clearly see in several of these episodes that there are Vulcan admirals within Starfleet oh, at yes. this stage, yeah. right? Yeah. Now, my understanding was, and again, this is something that the Enterprise handled quite well, was 
I thought Spock was supposed to have been the first Vulcan to actually enlist Oops. in Star Trek, which is in Starfleet, which is why um, they were very careful of to Paul not actually being a, a Starfleet officer, but being, um, you, you know, kind of a uh, attaché. Attaché, yeah. exactly on, on on Enterprise. So, but in this, clearly Vulcans have have been in Starfleet for some time and have r- risen to the rank of admiral. So that that was one little question mark I, I had, and then the other one was around uh, our favourite things of all, tribbles. Um, when we meet Lorca, we 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 clearly see that he has a tribble as kind of like a a pet in his ready room. And again, I thought that the Tribbles weren't actually discovered and introduced until the original series. But again, I might have got that wrong. Uh, maybe you guys can can correct me on those couple of little nerdy niggles. Um, so the Vulcan one I know, which is that uh, he it's never explicitly stated in canon that Spock was the first Vulcan. In Starfleet, okay, uh, and uh, and so uh, it's it's a little bit of a gray area, but I even think in the JJ verse, uh, you see other Vulcans in Starfleet um, with Spock. So mm-hmm. so I don't I don't personally ascribe to that one. Uh, if that's going to make you angry, I'm very sorry. Go have a no, drink. No, no, not at all. It was more of a question than, than, yeah. than a statement. So well, I, I guess no, I'm, I'm just... talking to like the random fans who listen. Oh, okay. Who, yeah, are, yeah. Uh, <laughs> who are saying like, "No, you're totally wrong, you stupid fool." And I go, "Look, whatever. I don't, I don't ascribe by it." Uh, well, actually, I've not... just, I've just realized I'm wrong. In the first Why? three, ep- three seasons of. Um, Enterprise, yeah, to Paul is just kind of part of the Vulcan high command and, and an attache there. But actually, they do give her commission in the fourth ep- in the fourth season, which was one, one of the mi- minor things that niggled me slightly because they gave they gave her a um, a commission and a rank, right? Yeah. But they still allowed her to wear, you know, she didn't have to wear a Starfleet uniform. She was still allowed to wear her figure hugging. Uh, jumpsuits and well you know what why wouldn't yeah. she right <laughs> yeah. we, can, we know why they did that but yeah yeah <laughs> so <laughs> but what uh, about the triple thing am i wrong with that i don't know Might i be. i don't have a specific memory but i feel like there are tribbles in enterprise oh are they okay i feel like there is an episode where Maybe it's in when they're in the um, the the market with uh, the Orion slave market. I feel oh, like right. it yes. tribbles in there. Yes, we remember the Orion slaves as well. Yes. obviously. <laughs> uh, but I feel like Enterprise, and I don't think that in the original Tribble episode, the trouble with Tribbles, it's so much of a discovery for. Um, for uh, Starfleet, so much as a personal discovery for Ahuru or Ahura, uh, or you know the the crew, like they'd never come in contact with them before. But that doesn't mean they weren't known to Starfleet. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah, it, it feels 
feels correct. I don't think it was like uh, the first time that uh, Starfleet had encountered them. But you caught that tribble on uh, Lorca's desk, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah absolutely. It was. That um, was episode three, right? Yeah. Or, yeah yes. Which was a good one. Conscience for, is for kings. I think that yeah. episode was. And um, uh, you know, obviously, this is this is where we've had the sort of six month jump, and uh, uh, Burnham is on her way to um, to to well, what she thinks is going to be prison, and then of course, Discovery turns up and uh, and changes all of that. yeah so um yeah what do you guys think of of tilly her uh her roommate i like her yeah she's all right yeah yeah i think she's quite a fun character um you know uh, i mean i mean it seems it seems that every us tv show nowadays has to have a character who's slightly socially awkward in there somewhere <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh but but you, you know i think the actress does a great job with it and i think the um the the the, the character is uh an enjoyable yeah an enjoy she, you know, she provides a little bit of the comic relief on the show yeah uh, which is as we've said a fairly dark show most yeah. of the time so um uh yeah i think she works well are you guys getting um seth mcfarland's show orville uh no um but i've i've been able to see a a few uh episodes okay and i've not seen it i I must admit i personally enjoy the orville more but if yeah but the thing is if they took out all the sort of um the dick jokes It'd probably be more Star Trek than it is right now. Well, is yeah. this not is this not like a sort of Galaxy Quest spoof type thing? No, no? It's exactly what it is. Well, it, it, it it's not it, it's not uh, actors pretending to be characters and then a, a race being oh. coming along. It's 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 not like that kind of thing. It's but it is um, it, it's sort of it, it's it, you can imagine it if. Um, if it was Star Trek and it was one of these sort of smaller ships that you see sometimes in episodes and, you know, the the captain was kind of like, you know, he got promoted because, you know, they needed to fill space and stuff like that. And uh, yeah. but I mean, it's it's quite enjoyable. It's very it's kind of like old school uh, next generation. But it's a comedy, right? It, it, oh, I mean, I'm yeah. assuming it's a, a yeah. comedy show. It's yeah. Like sort of a pastiche a sort of spoof of 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 star trek in, in in some sense yeah i mean it's um i don't think the comedy quite works sometimes um but it's but, but the funny thing is though the storylines and the characters in it are very star trek they are the the one thing that i enjoy is that they do they have these classic send-ups of star trek moments mm, yeah. uh so so they they have a whole episode where the captain and the first officer are fighting, and every time they get into a turbo lift, there's just a random crew member there, the same one each time, who, <laughs> who keeps going like, hey, imagine us meeting like this again, right? Or like, uh, and he's like, oh, man, don't you wish there was music in these things? We should get music in here, right? Uh, or the one that really made me laugh was they did a scene where the captain and the first officer are having a, 
an in-depth conversation, a heated conversation in the captain's office, and then somebody uh, comes by on the outside of the ship washing the window uh, in a spacesuit. Uh, uh, yeah. What, what yeah. wonderful stuff, that Romulan ale. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, is, is there a reason you brought this up? It, it, I did. It, it, I brought yeah. it up because uh, it, like, I've been thinking a lot about it because of uh, the... Uh, the juxtaposition of is this like is Orville more Star Trek or is Discovery more Star Trek? Ah. Uh, because in my weeks, I get to watch one episode of Discovery and one episode of Orville. And I will be honest, at times I get confused which one I'm watching. Mm. Uh, and right. And so I'm like waiting for a character to come in. And uh, Tilly uh, does remind me more of an Orville character. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Then a discovery character. And so uh, every so often I'm watching Orville and I'm like, well, wait, where's, where's Tilly going to come right. in? And then yeah. I remember, oh no. Also, yeah. Uh, what didn't help was that there were karaoke scenes in both. Ah, yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, there, the, okay. There's, there's an episode that sort of, Harken back to the feel of a lot of Star Trek was was the episode um, where they're in the time loop. Yes, uh, yeah. and that one was my favorite episode. Um, oh, yeah, I I I really enjoyed it. It was like it was it was it was so it was like wow, this is actually like a track episode, and we're not dealing with uh, the Klingon War or you know you know people's feelings it was just it was just a fun episode i mean the fact that uh Law, it, you know uh, harry mudd says to Lorca, i've killed you so many times it was yeah. just it was so enjoyable it's, but it's groundhog day on the discovery yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i mean it, it it's you know it was it, i thought it worked rather well I, I actually i actually did quite enjoy that one and um Though I have to say, I'm sure when I watched it on Netflix, it wasn't magic to make the sanest man go mad. I'm sure it was Magic Man Report to the Bridge. I'm sure it was something, I'm sure it was different to what I'm seeing here on IMDb. Really? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Yeah, I mean, that, that episode I thought was an enjoyable episode. Um... I did sort of think to myself, you know, boy, that half an hour. It went, I mean, when they got to the sort of setup at the end where they, you know, they set Harry Mudd up. Mm. Uh, but obviously by that point, the, the captain was in on it. And they. I thought to myself, my God, how did Stamets ma- manage to orchestrate all of that in 30 minutes when he had a hell of a time trying to convince yeah. Berman in the first place that uh, that, that, yeah. that was the sad RNA? Yeah. So I, I did think it, it, it it's, um, and I know we're talking about Star Trek and science fiction here, but I did sort of think it stretched the bounds of possibility slightly, even within the conceit of the show, um, if, if you like. But I forgave that because it was a lot of fun. It was a fun ride. And, and that was, that was more, that was a lighter episode than we'd certainly had some, some pretty dark ones leading up to that. So I think yeah. it was the, the bit of levity that was, um, that was needed at, at, at that point of the season. But um, that actually leads me on to something I want to talk about, about the, the character of um, Michael Burnham, mm-hmm. actually with, with you guys. Yeah. Um, I, I've got a lot of 
connection and feelings for Berman as a character. Um, I think uh, Sonika Martin-Green is playing her so well. Um, she's lovely too, by the way. But um, but I, I actually really like this character and I'm really, uh, I'm really gelling. You, you know, this is a good lead for the show. It's a good person to... Uh, to, to, to be with uh, through this story. And, um, you know, I really feel the pain of her character's sort of guilt uh, with, with what happened at the Battle of the Binary Stars and, 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 and feel that she's carrying that, which, um, which, which you, you know, I can't fault at all. My one, and this is really, really nitpicky, so I apologise in advance. Um, my one thing with the way they've written the Burnham character that, that, that niggles me slightly is, and, and this is the problem I had with data in the next generation. All right. So, so hear me out here. I'll explain what I mean. Right. Okay. In the next generation, when we're introduced to data, right. I, 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 again, I'm not an absolute aficionado, but somewhere in Trek lore, it's mentioned that Data actually served in Starfleet for some years before the events of Encounter at Farpoint. I think he may have been a Starfleet uh, honorary officer for 20 years or, or something like that, but some time anyway. Yet my problem with Data was they always explored that character as if he was learning from the minute that the series started rather than having a, a back history uh, of, of knowing these things. So, you know, he was always learning things with the, with the characters on the enterprise and, and it was always very entertaining and we like Brent Spiner and we like what he did with it. So it, it, it's not a criticism. It's just one of my niggles. Whereas I always thought with the holographic doctor in Voyager, mm. it worked much better because that, that character literally got activated in the pilot episode of Voyager, right? And and had no history or backstory before that. So the fact that he was learning things as the show went, to me, made more sense than, than the way Data was. And the reason I'm relating this to Burnham is I get that she grew up on Vulcan, and she she grew up under sort of Vulcan, um, you know, supervision and study and mentality and um, religion and all of those sort of things. I get that. So obviously, you know, even though she's human, um, she has got a bit of an emotional barrier. And we're obviously dealing with this thing, which, which, which is lovely on one hand and the fact that this, you know, character has never been in love before. And, um, you know, she tells Stamets that in one of the, uh, one of the multiple resets of, of, of that time loop. And, um, obviously she's, she's now beginning to get close and, and, and get feelings for, for, for Tyler and whatever. But what, but the thing that bugs me with that is she spent seven years on um, the Shinzu uh, under, the, under uh, you know, Captain Georgia and, and rise to the rank of first officer, right? So I just find it, again, it's a really weird thing, but I think, so in that time, she never, 
you know, she, she never mixed with humans and, and sort of had that interaction and whatever. I, I just I just sort of find that a bit of a, a weird thing. And I know I'm probably reading way too much into it, but do, do you see what I mean? And it's, a, it's very much a nitpick. Yeah, I see your point there on that. Uh, I do agree with your data one, although I never, for some reason, I never thought of that. Uh, the and and I can't really explain that one away. The only thing that I can think of for Burnham is that uh, you know, she was so set in her ways, and we get the impression that Captain Giorgio uh, let her do her own thing and sort of protected her and took care of her based on how Sarek handed her off. Uh, that now what we're seeing is what happens when Giorgio's dead. Uh, and and Burnham has to leave this safe space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's. I mean, as to the fact that uh, what happened to her at the Binary Star and being court-martialed and everything is, you know, probably changed her perspective on things as well. Because uh, back when she was on uh, the other ship, that um, you know, her she was very career. Uh, driven that she wanted to become cat- captain at some point and so you know uh, when you are career driven like that probably there wasn't any room for uh, romantic feelings yeah no I accept that and mm. and, and like I said I, I've not got a pro- it's, it's a nitpick more than anything I actually think what what they're doing with the character what the actress is doing with the character you know and, and everything is really good and I, I really I, I think I think it I think she's an incredibly strong lead um, for this show, and uh, and you, you know I I really I really like what they're doing with with all of that. So um, so yeah, it was just something I thought I'd I'd bring up um, along with my sort of you know little data <laughs> and holographic doctor theories. <laughs> but uh, but no, that's 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 cool. But um, what what about uh, I mean. As far as the rest of the characters are concerned, is is there anybody in that that's that's particularly stand out to you guys? I guess one thing I have noticed is that uh, I'm waiting for some of the characters to develop more, and this is something that can take a season or two. Uh, but I feel like Lorca is not fully fleshed out. Right, he still seems a little two-dimensional, and I'm waiting for his character to to click with me. But I feel like that is also indicative of, or or similar to how Picard was in season one. Right, it, it, I think Patrick Stewart, you know, was still trying to figure it out, and and it didn't click fully for the first season. Uh, I'm still waiting to see how Jason Isaacs does it i think jason isaacs i get the feeling that he's still trying to feel it out uh same for saru um i feel like having a species that is a sole purpose is to sense danger is sort of a weird trope and uh and they've used it a couple of times interestingly a couple of times not so interestingly Mm -hmm. and i'm waiting to see what happens there? Because I feel like that's that's a one-sided character, and it needs more. Yeah, 
I mean, I didn't. I wasn't a particularly fan of. Uh, was it C Vis Packham Parabellum? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was probably my my. If I had to name the weakest episode yeah. of the season for me, was probably that one actually. Yes, where but we learn more about him. We learn that you know he can actually run eighty kilometers per hour and uh, <laughs> crush communicators in the palm of his hand. I was like, wow, you know, this, who the hell is this guy scared of? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just, I'm, I just you know. I, I have to say the when, when you see him run it just it did look funny it did it did yeah. look silly i mean it, it, it they they did they didn't need that wide shot of him coming around the the cliff edge he could have just got there it's like oh yeah i, I got it he can run really fast i don't really need to see it because it just looks really goofy yeah and those hoof boots yeah. yeah yeah running with his hoofs yeah <laughs> but uh i i think though that um uh doug jones is doing an absolutely fantastic job though with that character i, I you know it definitely needs fleshing out some more but um but you know i i think performance wise um he's great and uh and i think lorca is a really intriguing character there's a lot going on there and like you said there's a lot we haven't been made privy to yet i'm sure but um yeah uh, I, I think I think there's a lot more stuff going on. So, um, you know, one of the things I do like as well is um, obviously with Stamets and the Doctor being, a, you know, a, a, a same sex couple um, on this show, they haven't made it a thing. And I think that's the whole point of Star Trek. And, and I yeah. like the fact that they haven't made it a thing. It's just there and... Um, so what you know we accept it right so yeah I think yeah they've handled yeah. that quite well yeah you know? i think they did sort of reveal it in a way where they're like oh it's not a thing but look what we're doing right <laughs> maybe they're brushing their teeth together you know what that means yeah but uh, then again though but you soon forget that with i mean what's your thoughts on what happens after that because that's something that they've they've put in there and they haven't explained yet. It, that actually made my, um, made my blood curdle a little bit. Um, what, what did you think about that? You know, with the mirror image? Oh yeah. Well, I'm waiting to see. I'm waiting to see. Like, well, I guess like we knew that injecting the tardigrade DNA was going to have some odd side effect, right. Or yeah. crazy side effect. And, and so that's uh, it. It's it's Chekhov's nail, right? They're whatever they call it. Yeah, Chekhov's gun. I mean, oh boy, um, the Into the Forest I Go episode. So yeah, when the last he, when one. he says, oh, "I'm only going to do one more jump," come on, did, oh my did God, uh, yeah. yeah? Did we all? I think every I think everybody in the audience just slapped their head and went, "Oh well, here it goes. It's going to go wrong now." Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, mean yeah. they could have uh, they this sort of massive you know they could have had a banner or flags flying go Bing 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 yeah. Bing. I thought that well, was you must really be pleased, Simon. They <laughs> must be pleased if they end up in the in your Deep Space Nine mirror mm. universe. You'll be really happy, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> My God. Were they? The, the, no, no, no. It, 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 it's it's gonna it, it won't be this it won't be the same it, it'll be, 
it, it'll be some sort of dark space, you know. It's... I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, it's. It, I can see the next episode being, you know, a fact that they're going to have to try and f- figure a way to get out of that area. And probably by the end of the episode, they will. Well, I must admit, one of the things I've done with this show is is, is I've done something dead opposite to what I what i normally do like obviously next month we got star wars the last jedi coming out right yeah. and i have purposely avoided everything i've not read anything about it i've not watched anything i have done everything i can to avoid it because i usually like to go in as a complete blank slate and and just enjoy right yeah however one of the things i've done with with discovery um which is obviously a different experience you know watch watching an episode every week is i have actually um like i said listened to a few podcasts read a few bits and pieces uh about it and you see one of the things that's that's caused a lot of fan speculation mm-hmm. is because Jonathan Frakes is directing the next episode, the one that, that comes back uh, in 2018. Right. And obviously he's, you know, of course a Star Trek alumni, not, not just as an actor, but as a director. Yeah. And, but apparently at one of the conventions when they were talking about it, he let slip that the episode that he's directing is in the mirror universe. Oh, okay. Right? Now, which, which, uh, yeah, I knew Pete would be, ah, damn, the Mm. mirror, you know. Sorry. But, but, I mean, that's not to say that could have been, that could have been, uh, you know, that could be set up on purpose. That, that could be a misdirect. I mean, I'm, I'm willing to sort of take that comment with a, with a bit of a pinch of salt, you know. Um, however, I've, I've heard another interesting theory. Yeah. Um, and I can't take credit for this one. This is one I've heard elsewhere. But somebody said um, on another Star Trek podcast, uh, and there are many out there, folks. Um, but uh, they were talking about the, you know, the things we've we've been talking about, the inconsistencies. Um, you know, partly being down to we're talking, you know, uh, properties made more than 50 years apart from one another so of course you know even though this is supposed to take place at the same time as the cage it's it's not going to look like the cage does um so you know things like uniforms and klingon ship design and starfleet ship and prop design and uh uh, you, you know, you know the, the the timeline things like we've we've already talked about. You know, why have they got spore drives, and you know that's something that they they don't have in the future, and and all of these various inconsistencies. Um, somebody drew up this, especially with the way that they're writing these stories, and 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 sort of highlighted the fact that these are Star Trek fans and smart people writing this show. What if we have now jumped into the prime timeline? So in other words, what we've been watching all of this time has been not necessarily in the mirror universe, but in an alternate reality, in an alternate universe. And the jump that's happened at the end of that show 
is actually a jump that brings it into the prime timeline. And that's just a theory, but I thought that was a really intriguing one. What, what do yeah. you guys think about that? Um, it would explain a lot. <laughs> it, it would. I don't know. I mean... Uh, it would explain the different Klingons. Yeah, but I mean, it, it just... But then where do they go? So this is a ship that's, you know, in, from a different um, reality and they're going to now interact with uh, what was, you know, the, the prime timeline. Are we going to see them, you know, all these sort of, you know, 60s era kind of ships and uniforms? No, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't know. It's, 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 it's an idea. But, uh, I think it's an intriguing idea. Mm, as, as I said, I'm not sure. No, I, I buy into that no, theory at all. I, I don't. But, I don't buy. Um, I don't buy into it at all. I, because I don't think the studios would want to go that way. I think the studio is looking to do a really. They, they, they just want to reboot the whole thing. I mean, yeah. Well, this is why Fuller left. I mean, the, yeah. the rumor mill is that is why rumor um, Fuller wanted to keep it closer to the uh, original series. Yeah, and. Um, you know they wanted to go in a different direction um which that they, they they have indeed yeah. <laughs> but, i mean uh, well let i mean let's talk about the elephant in the room then you know um being that you know who is uh this ash taylor character because <laughs> that, that's the other that's the other theory isn't it because yeah. we've we had a major character disappear f- from was it episode three or episode four? The the head of the the Klingons, the Vok. Um, yeah. Yes, his name was Vok. So, so he's believe. disappeared. Yeah. And then if you yeah. watch these flashbacks that Ash had, where you know it looked like he was being operated on, and he yeah. and and the the woman Klingon did say yeah. to him when he was you know stranded on the the the, the, um, the Starfleet ship that the the path he would have to go down would be of pain and he would have to give up everything yeah no abs- absolutely there, there is this massive um fa- fan theory that uh you know tyler is in fact well it's back to the sort of battlestar galactica thing that yeah. um that you know he's become like the boomer he's going to be you know possibly yeah. a, a sleeper agent who might not even realize who he is or he could be just a a Klingon with 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 altered appearance, which um, which kind of which kind of then feeds into that whole Klingon appearance thing again, doesn't it? <laughs> Possibly, but I mean it. I mean, obviously, what I what I feel about that character because they they have set it up that he he was he's doing all this so that he can lead the uh, Klingon Empire, and of course, ultimately, what what happens in Star Trek is that there is a truce between. Uh, the Klingons and Starfleet. There's a neutral zone, so obviously him becoming a human, you know, makes him be able to sort of deal with with the humans a bit better, but still being a Klingon. So, you know that that needs to kind of happen, and that's what they've been setting up. And so, for it to be now in a different alternative universe. I mean, everything they just set up was for nothing. I don't know, but I mean, this mm. is the question: Have they been setting that up, or are we looking? Are we reading into that, knowing about these particular fan theories? Yeah, you, you know, because uh, 
I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, it does. It does feel like it sometimes. As a storyteller, yeah. we know. You know, when we we know the. You know, we kind of know the mechanics of doing this stuff. So you you set something up that ultimately there has to be a payoff. You 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 don't set this thing up and not have it. I mean, I I think this was one of the disappointing things for me was that uh, when she told him that character that was what was going to happen. I thought we were going to. As well as seeing Discovery, we were going to see that character go on a journey that it would become, um, you know, the head of the Klingon Empire or, or whatever. But mm. and then suddenly he just disappears and we'd never see him again. And now, you know, what's happened, what came to light in this episode, you know, it, that it, clearly this is, you know, he has some connection to that. Because well, I mean, I I would say I otherwise say it's a waste of the main no, character. I, yeah, no, I mean, I I would say, uh, you know, that there's something going on, but it, I I think it's still fairly ambiguous. Um, if you know, for those who are not already sort of privy to that that particular theory, I I, I don't know. I mean, is it is it that obvious? I, I'm I, I'm not sure. Well, I mean, the the fr- the flashbacks sort of you know, showed it was a bit more than, you know, what he had said it was, mm. you know? It, it, yeah, it, and I mean, they keep yeah. saying all along, how did you manage to survive yeah. in a Klingon prison for however long, long it was, was, seven months or yeah. whatever it was at that yeah. point? Yeah. So, so yeah, the, 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 they have hearkened to that a number of times. Um I don't know though. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's it's the whole Klingon thing is is very interesting anyway because of course you know we're we're talking about Klingons that are radically different um, yeah. to anything we've seen and you know we're saying is that just a design aesthetic with this new series or is it that it's a different house of of, of Klingon that we haven't seen yet or and and you you, you know I I kind of my head canon kind of buys into that theory that um that it's just another part of the klingon empire that we've not seen yet which which not only um allows for the difference in in the klingons appearance themselves but also the design of the ships and the costumes and you know all of those sort of things but um but 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 i don't know if they're gonna you know ever explain that or whether that's just one of those things that uh that we accept and just get on with like like i managed to do after the first couple of episodes <laughs> yeah i think it's I, f- I think it's more of a case that this is what the design for the klingons are now yeah yeah uh i do like that vac theory uh i don't know uh about uh the alternate universe theory though mm. um i i, I yeah. just i just think it's kind of like um they're they're in like a maybe they they have jumped to an alternative universe but i think it's more of a a, a sort of uh, i don't know it's more of a dead space somewhere where they have to you know figure a way out of I don't think yeah. this is where the this, the this, this stories are now going to go a different path. It's just, I think it's just an episode where they have to figure them a way out of this predicament. Yeah, well, I mean, I watched the. In fact, most episodes I've I've actually watched more than once because mm. um, I've I've been kind of enjoying them that much that uh, I I've you know 
felt sort of um, uh, inspired to watch them again. And um, Lorca does actually override the original coordinates just before they jump. Uh, if you go back and rewatch that, he he he's in his command chair. And uh, he pops on a panel, and it's really quick on the screen. Mm. But that he hits um, Lorca override just before they jump. So right. I don't know whether this is something you know that the, 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 there's been theories as well that Lorca is actually from the mirror universe, and the rest of them don't know that because obviously they don't discover officially discover the mirror universe until um, the original series. But uh, you know, there's been theories that 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 Lorca had come across to steal Discovery because that's obviously, which which again is a bit of a on because the Enterprise was always supposed to be their most advanced yeah. ship in the fleet, but it seems to be <laughs> Discovery <laughs> at the moment, and uh, he had come across to actually um, steal that and bring it into their universe. So uh, you know, he doesn't have a goatee, but he could have shaved that off, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, possibly. But I mean, his actions in the series so far has not been of somebody who's trying to steal their most advanced ship. If anything, he's yeah. been using it over and over again. Yeah, also, no, absolutely. He's been he's been the man behind winning the war, hasn't he? Yeah. So, um, you, you know, it's it's. I, I don't know. I, I think we are actually still going to, which are, which is what excites me, mm. is, you, you know, I know we've got Christmas, we've got Star Wars, we've got all sorts of things happening. But I've got to get another job, all sorts of things before the end of the year. But I'm actually really, really looking forward to uh, to, to 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 it coming back because. I think we're going to continue to be surprised. And one thing I will say for this show after those first two episodes, you know, I said to you guys that, you know, I, I blabbed about all my geeky continuity problems that I had with it and design things and timelines and all of that sort of stuff. But I said, you know, going into it, I wanted to enjoy it and I wanted to be surprised by it. And, so far I have and I'm, I'm just hoping that it continues to do that really you know and long may it yeah that's my thoughts exactly Keith that, oh you and I are right on the same page uh, and I like the thing that I will say that adds to that is that if it goes full mirror universe for a long time uh, oh man it's it's going to be an uphill <laughs> battle for me to like it uh, yeah, right. I, 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 I doubt it. I imagine by the end of the episode, they will figure a way to get out of that uh, wherever they are. Yeah. I also, can I uh, make a geeky point here? Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you said that the Enterprise is supposed to be the most advanced ship. Um, and, and I think that's a little bit misleading for Star Trek lore. Because in well, my one head, one of twelve, isn't it? Isn't it one of twelve starships of that well, type? It's Is just, that right? It, yeah, it's supposed to be the um, the flagship, which means that it's like the most prestigious ship. Um, but I think that there there are also other ships that are working on new technology, like the Pegasus was right that they showed oh, that. Right. Yes. So yeah. I, in my head, canon Discovery and the other spore drive ship that got destroyed uh are are these sort of like prototype ships and so the flagship enterprise is still out there but discovery is trying to see if they can make this new technology work 
I think I think that's that's fair. Well, I mean, they've said all along that it is a you know scientific exploration, you, you know, yeah, experimental vehicle Not a and battle. all this, and and, yeah. and and that 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 makes sense totally. Um, one one of the things as well, by the way, and this is yeah, oh God, well, well, while we've got our geeky <laughs> anoraks on, um, there is a uh, what what they've done very similar to what uh, Disney did when when. when when Disney took over um, Star Wars uh, from Lucasfilm, basically they kind of did that thing where they said to free them up with storytelling. They said that, you know, all, all the previous expanded universe novels and um, yeah. things yeah. Were, were now considered legends. And the, the official canon novels were going to start from that point. But what, what's interesting is uh, it seems that they've now... With with CBS's launch of Discovery, they've they've done a similar thing in the Star Trek literary world as well. In so much oh, no. as there is a novel uh, written by David Mack, um, which is a novel that bridges um, the events following the Cage and a year before the battle at the Binary Stars. Okay, and it deals with um, the character of Burnham uh, on the Shinzu. All right, and one of the things that, that obviously they, they, of course, because they've got to in in the novels is the Shinzu and the Enterprise, um, uh, y- you know, come together um, for some plot reason in the in the uh, in the story. I've not read it yet, but it was probably appara- for science. Uh, yeah. But apparently, um, one of the things that's noted, uh, again, it's, it's, it's totally a sort of fan's answer way of, of trying to get around it. But um, Mac has a, a paragraph in there about um, the uniforms. And it says that, um, you, you know, Starfleet had been wearing the, 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 the blue, uh, you know, jumpsuit uniforms for, for quite some time. And on the new Constitution class vessels, they were uh, experimenting with a new, more casual type of uniform consisting of a jersey oh, and, and trousers. So they say that, but they also say Spock has some amusement at the the, the fact that um, uh, some of the crew members mention about the, the 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 different design of the of the bridge of the Enterprise and. He doesn't understand why humans are always so interested in different design aesthetics and all this. So they, they've put a couple of things in there. Obviously, he's probably worded it a lot better than I just have because I'm, I'm not quoting yeah. from the text itself. But, um, but you know, they, they, they put things in there to kind of try and uh, try and explain some of those differences as well. But, um, but, but yeah, they, they, they seem to be uh, they seem to be doing. Um, what novels now that are considered official canon so uh you know interesting times i guess by the way something else i bought as well while we're on the subject and 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 i'll give a plug for this titan um titan books have done uh, i picked it up for a fiver literally and it's really good there's an official collector's edition of star trek discovery behind the scenes of the television event of 2017 and it's really cool because they've they've actually got in here i like things like they've got real close-up 
aspects of the designs of the of the phases and the communicators and the uniforms and and the ship and all of that sort of stuff and they also have a sort of a a star trek timeline in here that covers from enterprise right the way through to nemesis and um they've got sort of interviews with the with the cast and crew and some really really nice photographs and and that sort of thing so um so yes i've i've become part of the uh of, of, of the marketing plan and actually uh, bought into this stuff. But I, but I thought for a fiver, it was a really nice little collector's edition to have. So, um, so that's out there and I'm, I'm, I'm not it being paid to promote it either. <laughs> doesn't release in the U S until next week. My God, you mean we actually got something before the Americans? How the hell did that happen? <laughs> the Star Trek discovery official collector's edition behind the scenes of the TV that's event it. of 2017, right? That's, that's what you said? It. Yeah, and it's got a Exclusive of, photos and concept art? That's right, and it's got a picture of Burnham's profile looking oh, out nope. to space on the front cover. Oh, at least the UK one does. <laughs> no, the, the... Okay, well, the US one that I can find has a... Like, the, the Discovery ship going through a circle. Oh, uh, wow. And it... Okay. It's a little bit more than a fiver. Oh, maybe huh. maybe they're doing because they do that over here. Maybe they're doing a, a, a hard cover and a soft cover version. Um, mine mine's just yeah. a paperback cover. It's not uh, ah. it's not a proper binded book or anything. But uh, but yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, so, so anyway, sorry, I got well. I say no, the topic. I'm, I'm still way more interested Trek, in this now yeah. than it should be. <laughs> hey. Uh, if you see another one of those, could you pick one up and send it to me? Because I don't think I could get it. Oh, seriously? Okay, yeah. Well, we'll um, offline we'll like, yeah. exchange addresses and stuff. But uh, yeah, I'll send we'll, you we'll, we'll see if Santa can come early. <laughs> yeah. <So. laughs> oh, but, um, but anyway, sorry, I, I completely I went love off on a tangent there. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but yeah. In conclusion, then, uh, how are we feeling about so far then? Peter, I love it. I do. And I have great hopes for it. I will say that every time I have gotten nervous that it's going to go off the rails, it comes back in spectacular fashion. So it is, it's giving me this emotional journey. Uh, and I am, I am on board. I am on board to see where this goes. And I have great hopes for a seven series run. Wow. Okay. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I, I too love it. Um, it does drive me crazy sometimes because it really messes with my head cannon uh, on Star Trek. But, um, you know, uh, in, infinite diversity, infinite combinations, as you're always saying, um, Pete, you know, so, uh, you know, I, I, I'm of the thing that we haven't seen everything that is that is Star Trek uh, so far. And um yeah, I'm enjoying it. I'm along for the ride, and I am definitely going to be tuning in to see where it goes. And I hope that it doesn't disappoint when it gets to uh, answering some of these many questions that we have. But um, but no, so far I'm loving it. What about you, Simon? Uh, well, uh, I'm going to keep watching it, um, see how it goes, and uh, you know, see where it leads. Um, and yeah, <laughs> I'm, 
yeah, not loving it as much as you guys are, but uh, you know, still curious to see where it's going, and uh, you know, I'll uh, I'll keep tuning in until I don't know until there's a point where I go, well, I've had enough of this. But uh, so far, it's I've not reached that point. It's uh, curious to see where it's going. It just I wish they just didn't say it was connected to the prime timeline because it's yeah yeah it's no, it's that. clearly it's it's trying to do its own thing and it's it, it yeah if I think it would free it up a bit more if that was the case because ultimately we know where this is going to go unless they do a complete you know one eighty or on us and do something you know outrageous like it being an alternative universe. And now they're going to be in the prime universe. I mean, we'll we'll have to wait and see. Indeed, indeed. Well, there's a mm. lot more Star Trek stuff we could talk, but I think um, I think that's probably a good place on 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 yes. this particular episode to to, to wrap things up. Um, so, Pete, as as we always do, uh, where can people? find your work uh or get in touch with you if if they so desire yeah people can uh complain to me about my star trek views on twitter <laughs> at uh spud underscore monkey s-p-u-d underscore m-o-n-k-e-y uh yeah don't ask that's just where i am fair enough <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh keith where can people find your work yeah, if you go to uh, YouTube and put in British Isles, that's E-Y-L-E-S, as in my last name, um, there are short films that I've, uh, that I've made on there for, for viewing. And uh, other work can be found by putting me into IMDB and seeing what I've worked on there. Um, so, yeah. And as always, you can find my work at independentrunnings.com. Uh, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, and all good podcast providers. Uh, you can follow us on uh, Twitter and Facebook. Just search Movie Heaven, Movie Hell. And please leave us a rating and review on iTunes and Stitcher. It all helps. Just leaves us to thank Pete for his time today. It's always good to have uh, guests come back and join us. And um, no doubt, Pete, we will be doing further star trek uh, episodes because it seems to be one of our things um I, and we will happily invite you back if if, if you'd be happy to come <laughs> i honestly can't thank you enough you know this is my favorite thing to do is talk star trek and uh i i love that we can have a good conversation and embrace what star trek means for each of us yes even though yeah. that's a different thing yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely yes i, I would definitely come back uh, once the uh, first series is finished to to look back over the whole thing and uh see if our views have changed yeah indeed and uh, you know and i'm sure i know i know pete that last time we never got back when i re-listened to the episode i realized there was some things about you know next gen and whatever that you set up at the beginning that you wanted to talk about and you know we got off on tangents and off track slightly and i realized when i listened back to it that we didn't address those things but um hey may, maybe we'll have a another episode at some other point to uh to to, to look at those things as well <laughs> yeah i'd love to all righty excellent 
And of course, thank you, uh, you the listener, for uh, joining us. And, if you're uh, still there, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they are. <laughs> and uh, please join us for the next episode of Movie Heaven, Movie Hell. See you around the galaxy. Yeah, be my yeah, get, get out of yourself. Frankly, Scotty, I find this whole episode quite irrational. <laughs>